All right, listeners, good morning from Studio One and welcome to this week's news from the drug war front. My name is Jeff and uh, my co-presenter and good friend Marion is sitting across from me. Good morning. Good morning, Jeffrey. Good morning, listeners. And how are you all this morning? Don't be um, misled. The sun. The wind outside is very cold. Yes. But the sun is very pleasant. So if you've got a spot where you can sit down with your coffee and look outside... But don't go outside. Look, any time you see the sun, settles down a bit. Make the most of it because it mightn't be there for long. I'm yeah, I'm a little bit concerned about that. I don't know if we're going to get a summer this winter, this year or not. We haven't had one for three years so far. I wouldn't put it, so, be putting my last dollar on it, Marion. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not backing anything this year, really. Anyway, uh, for those who are not familiar with the show, News from the Drug War Front is brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy, and The Connection, which is Canberra's peer-based drug and alcohol service for First Nations uh, people. Uh, News from the Drug War Front promotes the broad array of services provided by Karma, and Marion will spell out uh, the range of uh, things that Karma can offer you. Uh, and we also report on stories that are relevant to illicit drug users from Australia and around the world and hopefully promote discussion and education about the need for different approaches to dealing with the harms caused by problematic drug use in a world of prohibition. Hmm. Uh, what we do at Karma, um, as if you didn't already know, um, we believe that people who use drugs should be treated with dignity and respect. In fact, we demand that, both as human beings and as consumers of health and social services. Karma works to reduce the discrimination and stigma experienced by drug users. Karma also speaks for our community's equal rights by progressing drug law reform agendas. The Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisations and Advocacy, or Karma, is the drug user organisation and the drug user organisation and alcohol, tobacco, and other drug ATOD consumer organisation for the Australian Capital Territory. Karma is not a not-for-profit incorporated association. Karma is recognised as a part of the ACT specialist drug treatment organisations and conducts peer-based drug treatment from our drop-in centre. Programming includes peer treatment support program, the Connections First Nations program, the Karma Naloxone program, Karma's community development and mentoring program, the Fixed Peer Education program, News for the Warfront radio show, like us, the Reach, Teach, Treat Hepatitis C Peer Education and Treatment Project in partnership with Hepatitis C and the Karma Primary Health Clinic, which is on uh, Thursdays, yeah? Yes, yeah. The point of care has started up, you know, yep. where you can just get a finger prick. Um, That's right. Yeah, rather than yeah. having to find a, a vein. Having to find a vein, which is always going to be a nightmare. Um, or has been for people who have been using it any length of t- for any length of time anyway. It just makes it. Much easier. That's right. Yeah. All you have to do, it's like, you know, testing for uh, diabetes, yeah. really. Yeah, Give just finger a finger prick, prick, squeeze some blood. A little bit of blood. Goes and into it. a little yeah. uh, pipette thing and it just goes into a machine and, yeah. And lets you know. Yeah. Um, the Karma Clinic is a in in-reach partnership with Directions Health Services, which provides an on-site on-site doctor and nurse at the Karma Community Centre who do general work, practitioner work 
pharmacotherapy provision, including methadone, suboxone and buvital, or depot buprenorphine, um, treatment and hepatitis B vaccination, hepatitis C testing and treatment. Karma is a unique service within the ACT which operates on a peer-based centred philosophy, which means we encourage and support people to speak on their own behalf and to participate directly in improving their lives. Self-stigmatisation is a means by which people who use drugs are constantly kept in a state of self-imposed alienation from broader society. This is something which karma is continually attempting to address through education and community development initiatives designed to engender a self a sense of self-worth and of community inclusiveness and integration. As a peer-based group, we have a first-hand knowledge and understanding of the issues encountered by people who use illicit and other drugs. Under the Karma Services tab above, you can read about some of the... This is from, from the, the website, website. yeah? yeah. yeah. Um, so, so you can read about some of the activities we do to make the most of this understanding of our efforts, uh, in our efforts to make some of the activities we do to make the most uh, of this understanding in our efforts to make the lives of drug drug users safer, healthier and happier. And what's wrong with that? That's perfectly reasonable. Nothing unreasonable about that at all. We do this through providing peer support, education, representation and advocacy. We promote improved health for drug users and, through the provision of education and information, seek to reduce harms associated with illicit injecting and other drug use. By representing drug users on decisions-making committees, we provide a drug user perspective and voice on in the development of policies and programs that impact on the lives and health of illicit drug users. And that's users. really um, important in the bigger picture. It is really important, and we've been involved. Jeff, uh, sorry, Chris in particular has been involved um, regularly in, at every stage of yes. the process yep. of looking at the laws, looking at the provision of treatments of of opioid replacement therapies. Yeah, absolutely. And that now Karma can do that itself at from its own site. Yes. Which is not which is something that I have actually been squirming, as I say, I, during the mornings when I've been presenting it on Tuesdays. But in fact it's true because at that clinic on Thursdays, that's exactly what happens. Mm. The provision of those opioid replacement therapies are really... It's there. It can be done. We can assist during... Uh, Karma provides information on alcohol and other drug services as well as various other commu- government and community services. We can assist in us accessing the most relevant service for your needs. We can provide referral to any service you may require and will advocate for you where necessary. Which, as we've often said, is very important. Uh, yeah, it is very important and it is often necessary. And the important thing about that 
going back to the beginning of that rave is that self-stigmatisation is a really harmful thing mm. and we've been doing that for years. Yes. We read, uh, go to jail and you will notice that the people who use drugs and go to jail because of that drug use or by virtue of that drug mm. use um, believe what's in the newspapers, particularly in the Murdoch newspapers. And we know full well that those papers are absolutely anti-drugs. Yeah. They're the just-say-no people. Yeah. They're the, we're letting people, we're letting Canberra be a honeypot yeah. for drug users by changing the laws. I mean, they, and we believe that stuff. We swallow it. Well, us, bolus, because it's been fed to us since we were yeah. five yeah. or three or two or however old you are. And the yeah. language is really potent too, isn't it? You know? It is, and it's very important that the language is taken notice of and that if you read something that you think absolutely denigrates alcohol and drug users by virtue of the way it describes them or uses words to um, describe their behaviours or their activities, that you need to make sure that those people know that that's what they're doing, that they are harming the community they are um, reporting to about. Mm. And it's also important to know that the one group of people that is not included in the anti-discrimination legislation are injecting drug users. Well, and that's something that really needs to be known. Been marginalised for a long time. A long time and it ain't going to change any time soon unless we go for it. Yeah. Karma and the Connection are located in Belconnen Churches Centre at Shop 17, Level 1, Benjamin Way. The drop-in hours are 10 to 4pm, 10am to 4pm, Monday to Friday. Contact can be made on 62 Five three three six four three, or by emailing at info at karma.org.au. Yeah, and the website, just for people who might be interested in checking out, uh, and, you know, re-marketed re, um, or re-badged re um, website, it's www.cahma.org.au, and there's a lot of good information there, so... I recommend you take a look at it. Okay, uh, News on the Drug War Front reports on stories that are relevant to illicit drug users from Australia and around the world. Many of the articles that we feature come from um, other sources, including the mainstream media, as Marion mm. mentioned before. So the contents of this broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Carmen and The Connection. Carmen does not condone nor condemn drug use and we do not promote uh, illegal activity. However, we do recognise that drug use happens and, we will and it will continue to happen regardless of laws and United Nations conventions. As such, Karma focuses on harm reduction messages, drug treatment support services, advocacy and community development and seek to reduce the harms associated with drug use and its criminalisation through the provision of programs that foster community development and the, pers uh, per sorry, and the delivery of person-centred holistic healthcare. Mm. Karma advocates for equity of health service delivery for all people, which, as I usually say, is not unreasonable to no. aspire to. The other thing I think we need to actually make mention of is that we have a worker at Karma at the moment who speaks Mandarin. Yes, that's a good point. And we really need to make a note of that because we have not made use of 
perhaps as much as we ought or as much as we could, uh, people who's, who's from whom... Uh, from which, from whose family, uh, English is not their first language, yeah. and where they speak alternative languages other than English at home, perhaps the use of volunteers or at the moment just people who speak other languages at home other than English, perhaps they might make like to make themselves known and make the suggestion to Karma that. They make use of their services. Yeah, well, not everyone because, is an English speaker. Well, not only that, but the the effect of the community on drug use is really quite intense. Yeah, um, and I've over my lifetime of drug use have met people who have not been going to admit their drug use for fear. Not just of them, of their parents, but of themselves mm. being alienated no, from their good, local community. That's a good point. So actually, having somebody who speaks an alternative language at home, and our, our friend speaks Mandarin at home, um, is quite a really a useful and productive. Very Office, useful. Uh, right, we've had a request for, we've played this uh, before, Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, under the bridge, but yeah, uh. had, had a request for it, so uh, here's Red Hot Chili Peppers.
Water. That was the requested song by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And understandably too, Jeff. I just remembered, you know, that we had heard that before, but it's, it's a, a lovely song, song anyway. Yeah. So easy to listen to. Yeah, it is. Um, all right, uh, the Stigma Conference uh, held at Parliament House last Thursday. Um, well, a media release was uh, put out about. Um, the Stigma Conference Dismantling Stigma to Save Lives. The Australian Injecting and Illicit Drug Users League, or AVIL, was first incorporated as an association in 1992, so that's why it's the 30th anniversary. That's right. The Stigma Conference is an historic milestone celebrating 30 years of AVIL, an organisation that remains at the forefront of the response to the HIV epidemic in Australia. The response has saved many lives by limiting the spread of HIV AIDS amongst people who use drugs. Through the efforts of ABLE, ABLE members, friends and allies, the incidence of HIV among people who um, use drugs in Australia has remained steady at 1% to 2% of the population of people who use drugs, one of the lowest rates in the world. And that's uh, you know, enormous success, as yeah. we've mentioned many times. 30 years on, ABLE's still here fighting for the health and human rights of people who use and inject drugs, one of the most stigmatised groups in Australia. Experience shows that meeting the health needs of everyone in our community community is fundamental to tackling bloodborne uh, diseases like uh, HIV, hepatitis C across the population. And yet it's still stigmatised, even yeah. though we need it to stop infecting, to stop the community from St becoming infected and future, future people in the community, yeah? Yeah. It's I, ludicrous. But you're right, stigma is entrenched and ingrained. Yeah, and, and so many users stigmatise themselves and yeah. each other. Which is really sad. Yeah, it's really sad. So the inaugural conference was um, held last Thursday, 17th of November, in the Great Hall at Parliament House. The forum-style conference brought together policymakers, healthcare professionals and people who use drugs to engage in dialogue and hear about how stigma impacts people who use drugs. Uh, it included international experts and activists and, of course, people from across Australia. Uh, key topics were the impact of stigma on illicit um, drug overdoses, on impeding Australia's 2013 2030 Hep C elimination goals and also undermining harm reduction efforts more broadly. And if you want to actually uh, watch the video of the conference, uh, it's you can go to ABLE's website or Facebook page. There's several places where you can watch the video. It was recorded. Mm. Um, the 2019 Australian Drug Household Survey confirmed that 43% of Australians over the age of 14 admitted to illicit drug use, which is quite a large amount, and at some point in their lifetime. AVIL CEO Jeff Manu commented, this shows that stigma and drug use continue to have some type of impact on almost half the Australia's population, adult population. Stigma discourages people from opening up about issues with their drug use, from seeking support and accessing treatment that can save their lives. Sione Crawford, CEO of Harm Reduction Victoria, noted, quote, stigma kills people. Almost 1,700 Australians die of illicit drugs overdoses each year, and that's 50% more than die in road accidents. These are people's sons, daughters, brothers, sisters and friends. Yes. Mr Manu continued, quote, Australia was once a leader in embracing harm reduction but is now lagging significantly because after 10 years odd 
of um, John Howard in particular. Yeah, the tough on drugs. And then a couple of years of Labor government and then another 10 years of Liberal government who would just don't want anything to know about drug use because they can't do anything about it and it's it's nothing to do with them. Yeah, Yeah. Can't throw any more money at it. Ridiculous. So, Mr Manu... Counted that once we could uh, say we were the leader and now we're lagging significantly behind many Western nations. In the 1990s, thanks to the embracing of the harm reduction practices, Australia saw rates of HIV transmission among people who inject drugs 14 uh, times less than that of the United States. But it is now 20 years since the federal government updated the strategy for harm reduction. Wow. Chris Goff, Executive Director of Karma, noted, quote, the conference provided a unique opportunity to discuss the underlying, underlying causes of stigma and what Australia can do to tackle it and better catch up with efforts in other countries. Mr Manu pointed out, we know that supporting harm reduction measures like uh, supervised needle and syringe programs can drastically uh, yeah, can drastically reduce the number of overdose deaths. Supervised injecting places, I think that probably should say, but also needle and syringe programs, can drastically reduce the number of overdose deaths. With the right programs, there is every prospect we could reach a target of limiting, eliminating hepatitis C by 2030. That would be a huge win. Quote, we also need to advance drug law reform across all Australia jurisdictions with renewed national leadership and investment. We could regain Australia's leading role in harm reduction practice. Dismantling stigma is within our reach and needs to be a national health priority, he concluded. Yeah, can't argue with that. That's right. AVIL is the national organisation representing people who use or have used illicit drugs and is the peak body for the state uh, state and territory peer-based drug user organisations. You saw the second half of the conference. What stood out for you? I did. Well, what stood out for me mostly was, first of all, um, I got there in time for lunch, which is a really smart thing to do. <laughs> um, I can tell you that now because the food was gorgeous. That when you have breaks, because I've always found that the breaks in the um, in any conference are the times when you hear the stuff you haven't heard before. And you can network. And, you can yeah. network. And one of the things I heard from Canada in particular, uh, or the implication that I got from Canada was they're really not as pleased with where they are up to as they we feel we they feel they are. are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They are not as thrilled as where they should be up to by yeah. now. Yeah. That uh, although they demand things and we admire that, um, we still have that problem as of your friend being at a conference as a drug injecting yeah. drug user as a peer, yeah. going off at lunchtime and having his shot and dying. Yeah. It, because he didn't have someone with him to look after yeah. him and check on him, make sure that nothing went wrong. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, it was – that stuff was really interesting. Chris made a really good uh, um, 
speech about the history of karma, uh, not karma, evil, and that was really interesting in that that it was not personality-based. That was really important because one of the difficulties of all organisations, particularly the political difficulties of organisations, is that what we do is we get stuck with personalities. Yeah, rather than and policy. A and a personality becomes yeah. the organisation yeah. and that's not what happens. No. Well, that's not, not how you change the be. world. Yeah. No, we should be provide. We should be proud of the project programs that the organisation has sponsored, mm-hmm. promoted, yep. and organised and cooperated in making organised, um, and that's really important. And yeah. that's certainly what Avil has been involved in doing. Yeah. So but, yeah, but it's it's good to see stigma, you know, get such recognition and. Um, well, as I said discussion. before, Jeffrey, the, the really important thing about stigma and discrimination is it's the one thing uh, in the law that is not included in anti-discrimination. Injecting drug users or drug users are not... We're allowed to discriminate against mm. drug users. That's fine. It's encouraged. Because <laughs> they're, they're just junkies. Yep. Yeah, I mean, really, what we call ourselves also has got to be a problem too, hasn't yeah. it? No, I think language is how a huge we look part. at each other is just or how we look at ourselves yeah. and others is a problem. No matter how you feel about the person sitting next to you, whether you love them or hate them, they are in the same boat as you are and as a not, drug user. They're not defined. They're as not defined solely, yeah. simply by their drug use. Yeah. That's not all they are. No, as they're not just a drug user. They're other people, other things as well. Yeah. Their mothers, their brothers, their sisters, their parents, their you know grandparents for yeah. crying out loud. Their kids, then. Yeah. They do all sorts of things. Yeah. They can be computer operators, you know. It's amazing yeah. what can happen. But no, that's just good not to see too, yeah. that uh, that issue is raised at it a national was, level. Well, it, one, it was really the most important thing, I think, to come out of that conference awesome. was that. All right, we've got to go to the national news. We'll be back after the news. All right, uh, welcome back to this week's news from the drug war front, brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Harmonisation and Advocacy, uh, from 2XX 98.3 FM, People Powered Radio. And uh, just like to again thank uh, 2XX for their support. Uh, this show's been going to air for uh, over 15 years, I think Pete said even longer. Um, so it's uh, a very important uh, community asset and a way for. Uh, perhaps non-mainstream uh, issues and opinions to get an airing. So thanks again to 2XX. And if you uh, enjoy our show or many of the others that are produced um, and you have a bit of spare cash, consider uh, joining as a financial subscriber. Uh, or if you've got some spare time, do a bit of volunteer work. It's um, it's a great station. Anyway, um, anyone who heard the show last week will know we um, mentioned the initial news about a recall of poppy seeds. At that stage, um, we didn't have the information about um, which particular brands or companies. Um, I think most uh, people thought it was just one um, supplier. But anyway, the Food Standards Australia and New Zealand, FSANZ, is coordinating a national recall of poppy seeds due to the toxic chemical Thebane. 
consumers are advised not to eat uh, products from six companies, Hoyt's Food Manufacturing, uh, the products Hoyt's Poppy Seeds, Gaganus Brothers Imported Food Wholesalers, their uh, product is Gaganus Premium Opium Poppy Seeds, East West Foods Wholesale, their poppy seeds, uh, Baz Foods International, uh, their product is Royal Feeds, Royal Fields Poppy Seeds, Umara, that's uh, E-U-M-A-R-R-A-H, um, their poppy seeds, and Fresh Foods Victoria, and their product is Utam Couscous Poppy, in brackets, blue. So, what happens if you've eaten the, any of these recalled products? Cases of illness amongst people who've consumed poppy seeds have been reported in Western Australia, Victoria, Queensland, South Australia, Tasmania, and also the Australian Capital Territory. You cannot tell which poppy seeds have high thebane content just by looking at the seeds. Okay, so what is thebane and what are its effects? Thebane is a naturally occurring chemical. Poppy varieties rich in thebane are used for the production of medicines that are grown in Australia um, and supplied to industry. Uh, poppy seeds grown for food consumption have little or no detectable thebane and they're the ones that are th- uh, safe to consume. And, of course, people that have ever eaten a bagel or... Um, a lot of products know they've got little black poppy seeds um, on them. You know, they're, they're widely used in um, bakeries and uh, yes. the like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Those are baked, though, aren't they? Yes, but yeah. they're, 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 the, they're the poppy seeds. And, uh, do you, want to know, you, you found your spot to go on about Thebane? Do you want me to do it? Yeah, no, no, no. I'll just find it down. Okay. What is thebane and what are its effects? Thebane is a naturally occurring plant chemical. Poppy varieties rich in thebane are used for the production of medicines and are grown in Australia to supply the pharmaceutical industry. Poppy seeds grown for food consumption have little or no detectable thebane and are safe to consume. The thebane itself cannot be used as a drug and is toxic to humans in sufficient quantities. Symptoms of thebane poisoning can include respiratory rate, increased respiratory rate and muscle spasms, which can progress to seizures, breathing difficulties and unconsciousness. Health advice from, uh, available from state and territory health department websites. How is the recall working? FSANZ is working working with the state and territory food enforcement agencies and food businesses to recall affected products. Recall is available here. Yeah, that's on the Food Standards uh, website. Yep. Yep. The presence of thebane is linked to unsafe poppy seeds entering the supply chain. The cause is being investigated by state and territory food organisations. So the whole issue is expanded to a quite uh, more significantly widespread than we had information for last week. Indeed, um, yeah. So it's, yeah, and a, another source of information says one person suffered a heart attack, two were placed in intensive care, more than 20 people presented to hospital as, as a result of toxic uh, contamination. Others have reported suffering from tachycardia, hypertension, seizures and acute kidney injuries. Um, most of the cases of poisonings have been as a result of home-brewed uh, poppy tea, poppy seed tea, which people um, uh, 
are known to do. You know, yep. just brew up an opium poppy seed tea. Um, poppy seeds are also found in foods such as cakes, pastries and porridge. I knew there was other things. Porridge, yeah. Yeah. Uh, New South Wales Health has advised consumers to check their kitchens, warning that this product is not safe to, be, to eat in any quantity. And uh, as I say, um, pictures of those six um, products or companies' products are on the New South Wales Health um, website. So you can – and it'll give you the dates and code numbers on the um, – the back which you can check if you've got any in your own kitchen so it's um it's expanded to a significantly serious situation marion really. yes yeah it sounds like it sounds and like it's become really a big problem it's led to a joint investigation uh with australian states territories and food safeties authorities all working together um and yeah initial um indications are that the recall products contain unusually high levels of um, thebane, which is causing the toxicity. So it's no laughing matter. Um, no, not by any stretch of the imagination. It's a very, um, very dangerous operation and a problem for uh, opioid users in particular. Yeah. Well, in, because uh, I know that I've actually advocated it myself the use of um, poppy seeds in a brew yeah. that has been used as a detoxing yeah. mechanism. Um, or as a relaxant. I mean, a lot of cultures, it's a reward for hard work and you get into your old Indeed. age after a life in the rice fields and, yeah. you know, uh, some opium poppy well, tea or... I mean, was it Romania? I think it's one of the um, after Christmas desserts okay. that they use and the um, people who uh, eat it, or the men in particular who eat it, note that it actually re has a relaxing effect on them Indeed. and makes them feel very sleepy, yep. which you can probably translate into dopey. Yeah. Um, and so it's a, yeah, it can be a problem in that people don't recognise that what they're doing is becoming stoned or um, and if they continue to use those kinds of poppy seeds with op you know, and large amounts of thebone in it, not then uh, it's not going to be good for no. them. It's going to end up being quite harmful, in fact. So if you know anyone that uh, does uh, buy bulk poppy seeds and... Um brew up a, a tea, um, let them know that there's this potential problem. Um, I've got the uh, data for the third month of CAN test, Marion. Um, yes, I noticed that, I It was about to be released, I think, but um, too late for last week's show. But uh, there were 76 samples tested in the third month, and um, it says uh, 84 health and alcohol and other drug brief interventions were provided to people who attended. And nine of the 76 samples tested were voluntarily discarded by people after they received their test results. We've seen a trend in people wanting to test steroids and other oil-based drugs. Um, now, if you want that sort of uh, drug tested, call or email can test ahead of your visit to learn more about what they can and cannot test. Um, but, yeah, there's the usual suspects, ketamine, do you... Want to mention the ketamine results? Yeah, I do. What was expected in ketamines? Twelve samples uh, were ex uh, were presented, expecting to have ketamine in them. Five was detected, or had ketamine detected in them. Purities ranged from forty four to seventy seven percent. 
in the samples where people expected ketamine to be found but wasn't. Uh, one sample contained lignocaine, um, which is a local anaesthetic. Two samples contained the new psychoactive substance, 2-fluoro-2-oxo-PCE, or 2-F-endec, and two samples contained procaine and the veterinary drug tiletamine. You've got to be really careful about these veterinary drugs too. Yeah, well, People have been... Um, Known over the years, actually, and particularly with steroid users, yep, to access that the animal. use of yep. using animal or veterinary steroids, yep. uh, veterinary drugs, um, they're made for animals, not for people, yep. and they can be very harmful indeed. Yeah. No, you want to um, know the provenance. Well, it's what we say all the time about safe supply. That's right. Whatever your know particular where choice. it's coming from. Yeah. Yep. You want to know what you got what it is, what the strength and purity is, and want to know that you can get a consistent product. That's um, right. And the beauty of this can test is that you can find that out. Yes. We're so just... pleased to have it. And really, it's one of the few, one of, what have we got, one, two, three, four projects going on at the moment that are novelty in Australia and, in fact, worldwide in a lot of ways. Um, and we should be very proud of having them happen in the ACT. Yeah. Because they wouldn't happen anywhere strong else, Strong supporter can test. Uh, when it comes to MDMA, uh, uh, during the third month, um, it was expected in 26 samples, but only detected in 16. Um, and, again, there was a range of purity. Uh, five of the eight capsules contained 23 to 79%. Four out of five powders contained between 8 and 50%. That's a huge yeah, range. That's a huge yeah, No, 8% yeah. compared to 50%. That's, yeah. um, uh, one out of one pill contained 15%, and six out of six crystalline contained 22 to 75%. The one pill that was tested also contained methamphetamine, and one powder contained caffeine in the samples where people expected MDMA to be present, but it wasn't found, and a range of other substances were detected, including dipentalone and uh, cocaine at 9% purity. Mm. So it's a huge, diverse range of uh, contaminants, cutting agents. Um, it is, and it's interesting because in cocaine, they tested six samples of cocaine, and it was detected in five, and yet... They tested MDMA, and one of their samples had some cocaine. Had nine percent cocaine in it, <laughs> and that's ridiculous. But in the cocaine was expected in six samples and detected in five, and the purities ranged from less than five percent to sixteen percent. So the strongest one was sixteen percent. Yeah. Wow. It's, no one's getting value there. Well, them, when they say it's subtle, they really mean it, don't <laughs> yeah, they? Right, subtle yeah. means you can't feel <laughs> it. You got ripped it. off. Yeah. <laughs> okay, heroin was uh, expected in five samples, but detected in four of them, with purities ranging from 23% to 34%. Uh, thankfully, to date, no fentanyls have been identified in any samples tested over the three months, so that's I good. I guess I'm a bit surprised that not many people... Uh, well, not many well, samples of heroin yeah. yep. were not brought in. But in a lot of ways, um, I guess the opposite of that is when people manage to buy their heroin, they've often got 
um, a dependency and they need and to, they use, need it to use it straight away. Yeah. So going and getting giving up some of it to be tested is not going to be on for them because they're going to have to use it straight away. Yeah, but I think uh, wherever we can, it'd be good to encourage use as a, you know as many illicit drugs as possible going to can test because you're getting information that's beyond conjecture. That's right. You won't find it anywhere else and you will find out the truth. And yeah. we've never known never what's know. been in the heroin we've been buying on the streets. So. It's always just been taken anecdotal evidence that's right. or and it's And basically it's either good or it's bad in, in, in street parlance, yeah. Yep. It's either, <coughs> sorry, it's either, yeah, it's great or no, it's crap. Yeah, which is not accurate. <laughs> Well, not specific anyway. (laughs) Methamphetamine was expected in four samples and detected in three. Purities range from 72% to 75%, which in a lot of ways is kind of not Not bad in terms of purity. Purity, yeah. But, um, you know, it was expected in four uh, samples and detected in three. I wonder what was in the other one. Yeah, but that's um, sort of a, a summary of the, the main um, evidence Finding, that came yeah. out. But the, just repeat the times that it's open and hopefully after the six months and the evaluation of how successful it's been, there might be an expansion of hours or, um, you know, make it an extra day or something. But anyway, presently it's Thursday, 10am till 1pm and Friday, 6pm till 9pm. Yep. It's at the City Community Health Centre one more street, Canberra City, so it's in Sydney. And although it has been called pill testing, it's actually drug test. Yeah. It's drug testing. Yeah. No, yeah. I can't stress that enough. It's um. Other findings, do you want to say? A um, range of other substances were detected, yeah. including APIP, I don't want to try and no. pronounce them, dimethotryptamine, um, isopropylphenidate, Monosodium glutamate, MSG. which is MSG, which is what you bring for flavour enhancer food, yeah. for Chinese food in wow, particular. that's a new one. <laughs> two fluorodeschloroketamine, two F-duck, <laughs> or DCK actually. One unknown sample was identified as the phytoalexin um Resveratrol, that's it. I've never One heard of some of these. One sample presented as benzodiazepine was found to contain procaine. To date, all of the samples presented to CanTest, which have been tested for the presence of fentanyls, have returned a negative result. Well, at least that's some positive news. Well, other positive yeah, news. Yeah, because it has been happening in other states, we've heard, yes? And in North America, it's just cut a swathe through. And, yes, it's and made a big hole in the, you know, the numbers of people. Tens that have been of thousands. Over thousands yeah, yeah, yeah every year. It's been terrible. Hundreds of thousands, overall hundreds of thousands of users have been dying, and in Canada too, apparently. Yep. Really high rates. Um, <coughs> I might say, might add that, um, which was really good for uh, the conference, because um, I'm very fond of Fiona Patton. I think that she's a great oh, she's advocate marvelous, yeah. for... Yep. Um, for the kinds of thing issues that other people wouldn't touch with a barge pole. And Fiona was at the conference and I think on the panel that I managed to miss by a squidge. 
I think, just in time for lunch. Um, and it was good to see her there, and I'm very proud to see her turning up there because she's got a lot of uh, presence, a very high-level presence yep. in uh, Victorian politics in Victoria. Well, their gain has been our loss. That's right. I'm afraid. But, um, okay, I think it might be time for a song. Um, I've picked uh, one from the best of Johnny Thunders, and it's his version of Chinese Rocks, Johnny Thunder. That was Johnny Thunders and uh, Chinese Rocks. It's a bit after 24 after 11 and uh, you're listening to news from the drug war front from Studio One to X People Powered Radio, 98.3 FM. Um, just some more details about, uh, we mentioned briefly that the new um, point of care or finger prick testing for hepatitis C is now available at the Karma office and uh, that is on... Um, Fridays and also on Mondays. 
Now, the hours are 10.30am till 2.30 in the afternoon. Um, please ring and make an appointment. And um, also there's a requirement that you not have been tested in the last six months. And also you need to bring your bank details because the payment will be um, put into your bank account. So if you're not sure of your hepatitis C status or you were an injecting drug user back in the you know, distant past or you've just got a concern that you're um, not sure of your status, um, it's much easier to have your hep C status um, identified now with this point-of-care hep C testing um, now available at the Karma office. So if you're interested, um, just call Karma on 6253-3643 and leave your details and uh, make an appointment. Well, an appointment will be made for you. Okay, we'll head off overseas now. I thought this one was very interesting. Um, It talks about uh, illegal the illegal drugs industry being, quote, the biggest employer in northwest Dublin. Yeah, it's Uh, fascinating, isn't it, Geoffrey, really? Well, you know, we do talk a lot about how big, you know, the black market is and, you know, the impact it has on the economy of lots of countries. But, you know, this is... And how much we hear from various countries depends very highly... On or a lot on um, what media is present and who is prepared to present the information. Mm. However, well, this is Dublin, so uh, this is by Amy Blaney from the Independent, November the eighteenth. Dublin has lost the war against the illegal drug industry, which is now one of the quote single largest employers in northwest Dublin. The Dale. Oh, oh, I don't think that's the right pronunciation, but it's the the Irish Parliament, has been told. Local MP Paul McAuliffe said drugs are, quote, freely available on any street corner with dealers operating day and night. Quote, if there ever was a war against drugs, we've lost it. That war is over. Um, I can walk out of this house and purchase drugs on any street corner, he said. People tell me there are parts of their estates where the shop, as they call it, is open all hours of the day and night. We must accept, therefore, that drugs are freely available for sale and that thousands of people are purchasing these products. Well, it's undeniable. He goes on to say, in fact, in my community, the drugs industry is probably one of the single largest employers. The Northwest Electoral Area recommends uh, the likes of Ballymun, Finglass, Glasnevin and Whitehall. Uh, Paul McCaw- uh, that the MP Paul McAuliffe said again, um, the industry is having, quote, a more detrimental impact on the community compared with the substances themselves. And he goes on, there are criminal gangs, we all know their names, and they have a much more detrimental impact on the safety of communities than the substances that they are selling. We must engage with those communities and talk to them about what decriminalisation or drug reform might look like. Mm, the interesting about that, Geoffrey, is that our um, our unemployment rate is very low indeed. So we're and told. But- I wonder if we might uh, be able to think along those lines ourselves that uh, employment might have more to do or unemployment, I have to have more to do with um, what people are doing rather than what uh, they are meant to be doing. Well, there's one thing you would be certain of. Not registering for unemployment benefits it, might be one of those things. It's, it's a big part of the economy, the black economy. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Anyway, opening the debate, Minister for Justice Helen McEntry offered a new Garda station would be opened on O'Connell Street. Quote, a property located on 13 Upper O'Connell Street is currently being developed as a Garda station, that's police, uh, to enhance the high-visibility policing service in Dublin city centre, she said. The, ne- uh, the new station will have an office for members of the public to seek support and report crimes and to provide support to victims of crime when they come in. Quote, this new station will increase the visibility, the visible presence of Angardia, Siochana, uh, and O'Connell Street, and enhance on O'Connell Street, sorry, and enhance the ability of the guard eye in response to efficiently to um, in, to respond efficiently to criminal activity. She added. Meanwhile. TD, or Member of Parliament, Angus O'Sneedar, said opening drug dealing, harassment, open drug dealing, harassment, intimidation, thuggery and destruction of property is taking place in tourist areas across the city. Quote, people cry to me in my office continuously. They go home at night and hope they can close the door and thuggish elements outside will not come into their homes in whatever way, he said. The advice to those who have had the threats made against them because of sons of a son's or other relatives' drug debt is to pay up. Wow. Mm. The Dublin Central TD added that across uh, the South the Dublin South Central TD added that areas such as Cherry Orchard have been, quote, ignored for too long. Well, good on that MP for having the courage to actually speak the reality of what's happening in his part of Dublin. Absolutely. Clearly, the the negative aspects of the uh, black market are intruding into the lives of many more people. Mm. Now, that's by Anne Blaney from The Independent, i.e. November the 18th. Yeah, I think it, it... it is very brave of them to stand up and say so, particularly when you're talking about thuggery, violence, intimidation yeah. and uh, basically robbery in their home simply because <clears throat> they have uh, they have a son, a daughter or a parent with a drug debt. Yeah. Um, that's really quite a lot, a high uh, level of... Uh, fearsome violence Absolutely. that they have to contend with. Well, there's a spectrum, isn't there, from just, you know, the impact of a black black market, you know, taxes aren't being paid, etc., to extreme violence <clears throat> and really um, scary stuff. So. Very frightening stuff indeed, I would think, Geoffrey. And I guess we have to be um, thankful that we don't have that level of uh, intimidation going on in Australia or we don't think we have because it hasn't been reported as yet. Well, not to the extent of some countries. Yeah. Yeah. All right, look, I'll uh, play uh, a song and then we'll uh, go to another international story. This is um, JJ Cale's uh, Cocaine.
right, that was JJ Kale and cocaine. Okay, it's about 25 minutes to midday. Um, we've got a story that talks about um, the new technology uh, making drug traffickers more efficient, and it's uh, by G. Menon from the Sunday Guardian, November the 20th. Uh, it's a bit of a long one, but um, I thought it was uh, quite interesting to sort of um, indicate how uh, you know, new digital technologies have been taken advantage of by... And, that, and that, why would we expect them not, not to? Not to, yeah. yeah, exactly. The more you bring up technologies that uh, try to combat um, organised crime, the more they are going to manipulate that technology to make it easier to use to their benefit. Exactly. Okay, um, new technologies are enabling drug trafficking groups to commit traditional crimes more efficiently and with a formidable secrecy. The modern-day globalised economy is dependent on advanced telecommunication technologies for all operation, operations. Many of these technologies have been uh, adopted by drug traffickers to make their activities secure and confidential. The pyramid-shaped structure of many organised criminal groups has tended to make way for fluid networks of cell-type structures in which the top echelons are not even visible, even to the lower-level functionaries. For example, in the spate of recent heroin drug seizures on India's western coast, enforcement agencies are in the dark about the identities and even the nationalities of the organisers. For any drug trafficking operation, the network, network structure has clear advantages over the traditional hierarchy. By establishing a dense core of organisations, which is connected to a looser periphery by a multiplicity of links, identify, identity of the key players remains unknown. Drug trafficking, by spreading out across several jurisdictions, minimises law enforcement de detection and interference. Any interception would involve multi-nation and multi-agency involvement, as no single country can claim that a particular criminal activity falls exclusively under its jurisdiction for initiating legal action. It often happens that the cultivation or production happens in one country, transporting maybe through several countries, involving land, sea or air routes or by all modes, and the destination will be yet another country. It can be the final consumer country or it can be a transit country. Mm. And maybe we need to a finding they need to concentrate on things like gang rape and murder of teenage girls on school bus oh, on that buses. Would, that yeah. would be good. Yeah. Instead of uh, having a look at uh, drug um, pyramids. Okay, drug trafficking groups utilise new technologies in two distinct ways to ensure typical secrecy of product delivery and distribution and to protect themselves and their illicit operations from investigation by drug law enforcement agencies. For example, shipments of illicit drug consignments are communicated by means of encrypted messages. Electronic transfer of drug sales proceeds are routed through different jurisdictions using one-time passwords and codes before final deposit in any tax haven. An additional safeguard and employed uh, an, an additional safeguard and uh, employed is to launch digital attacks against intelligent activities of drug law enforcement agencies by using cyber attacks. Well, look how much data um, theft has been happening here recently. Um. Indeed, and what they've done with it, they've created their own um, their own drug racket. <laughs> yeah, racket. Yeah, the police have created their own way of uh, in in 
inducing themselves or introducing themselves into the organisational structure. Drug traffickers use computers, prepaid telephone cards, broadband radio frequencies, restricted access, internet chat rooms, encryption, satellite te- telephony, and even cloned cellular telephones, so-called when the identity codes assigned by legitimate customers are intercepted and programmed into illegal cellular telephones used by traffickers. Also, drug traffickers can... uh, Drug traffickers... Where am I up to? Can program their computers to detect attempted intrusion and use black hacking, back hacking techniques in order to damage the investigating source. Such techniques are of particular value to the organisers of drug trafficking activities who maintain a low profile and remain ensconced in safe territories in order to organise and supervise the operations. Detecting the laundering of drug-related funds has become more difficult. More difficult, with the advance of electronic commerce and internet banking facilities, drug traffickers communicate across the globe through encrypted social media platforms, which affords immaculate protection and privacy. China had a very particular, peculiar case when traffickers tried to avoid detection by penetrating the Chinese customs database to alter the details and status of a commercial flight consignment. Wow, so they're accessing the the actual database. Yeah, the customs database. Wow. In Australia, drug traffickers use the courier shipment tracking facility to monitor movement of their illicit drug consignment. Any delay would make the traffickers suspect uh, that some law enforcement agency was secretly engaged in monitoring and controlled delivery operation. Both sides, therefore, are compelled to be swift, secret and add to an element of surprise. In all their uh, movements, for which modern technologies and gadgets have been extensively relied upon. It's really extraordinary how... Yeah, it's, it's become really quite high-tech. And what would you expect is yeah. worth a lot of money, Jeff. Absolutely. Yeah? You can um, find technologies that make business safer and less detectable. Absolutely. They're going to use it. Absolutely. That's exactly uh, what it's for. Exactly. It goes on to say there are thousands of websites worldwide offering to sell illicit drugs, mostly cannabis, but also MDMA, cocaine and heroin in direct violation of the International Drug Control Treaties. The Netherlands and Switzerland have the highest number of such websites. Sale and transportation from these websites occurs around the clock, as also money transactions involving different currencies and digital currencies. Illicit drug labs are spouting up in remote locations and manufacturing a variety of synthetic drugs based on internet recipes. Professional chemists are no longer a necessity for man- manufacture of synthetic drugs. Even ordinary lay people can figure it out from the information from the internet. A simple surfing of the internet gives detailed instructions for manufacturing a wide range of synthetic drugs, details of how to obtain internationally controlled precursor chemicals, and how to operate illicit drug laboratories. So there's a lot of information you can Absolutely. access. Absolutely, it's all there. 
The internet's also a great meeting place for many drug users to contact like-minded individuals in different parts of the world and to locate safe and reliable supply sources of which the user would otherwise have been ignorant. When the approach is, quote, virtual, the inhibitions they might, that might deter or frighten people, especially youngsters in the real world, are minimised and they get emboldened to freely interact with drug traffickers and criminals. Of course, money laundering is integral and an integral part of drug trafficking and the Financial Action Task Force on Money Laundering has warned that the internet would facilitate ease of access, the depersonalisation of contact between customer and institution and ensure instantaneous delivery of electronic transactions. The globalisation of financial markets involving new global markets in stocks, bonds, futures, currency and derivatives has enlarged the potential field of operations for moving large sums electronically around the world with speed, ease and secrecy. Online banking has completely reduced or has significantly reduced face-to-face -face contact between bank staff and clients and as a result a great deal of anonymity is ensured. Oh, and why wouldn't it, Geoffrey, if we can manipulate um, if we can manipulate voting outcomes, why would we not be able to manipulate, you know, the origin of A, drugs and B, finances related to drugs? It opens up a whole people. new world. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. Casinos are multiplying across the world, the article goes on, and in India also. And these serve as, an, uh, as outlets for laundering drug-related funds and other funds of illicit or origin. This apart quote, virtual casinos, end quote, flourish in completely unregulated environment, in a completely unregulated environment, thereby enabling traffickers to operate anonymously and avoid identification and prosecution. Also, there's a lot of opaqueness concerning which country's laws should prevail in pursuing an offence, how courts uh, court decisions can be enforced if the excuse the accused are holed up in alien jurisdictions, and which protocols govern cross-border investigations. Well, that's often used, isn't it? You know, like you've been arrested overseas. How do you get extradited? That's um, right. Is there cooperation? Yeah. Other and treaties. If you're an Australian and you get done for importing or exporting something from one country, you get hung in the country yeah. from which you're exporting. Or shot like the ringleaders of the Bali Nine. Absolutely. <sighs> so frightening. Um, extradition proceedings often get enmeshed in unending legal proceedings border in, um, and appeals, which are often influenced by political equations among nations. Other problems arise because of the nature of electronic data. Standards of procedure for other problems um, for obtaining authorization to search stored data carried out with the knowledge of, the sus of a suspect and authorization to intercept data, a covert operation, varies from country to country. As electronic data can be tampered and modified, courts are cautious about their admissibility. 
If the process involves decryption, great skill will be needed to ensure that prosecuting authorities are not open to charges of manipulating evidence. Moreover, safeguarding and authenticity of content and source is difficult without revealing in public court and therefore to drug traffickers the technologies, technologies, God, Marion, the technologies and (laughs) methods and to access the content. The technical and resource challenges to law enforcement in tackling high-regulated, high-related, God, high-related, high-tech crime are very challenging. Updating technology implies constantly replacing equipment and skilled manpower, person power, as it also maintaining a 24-7 contact network operating 24 hours a day, seven days a week, which is obviously what 24-7 means. To ensure real-time investigation, for many countries, including India, this is a major financial burden and causes hampered investigations. Many countries, because of obsolete equipment and lax laws, have become data havens, enabling enabling traffickers to locate their service providers and um, store secret data without any interference by government agencies. Once the traffickers decide to adopt the electronic loot route, all movements get listed, get fast-tracked from A to Z. Dr G. Strickmauer, Menon, RS, PhD, Narcotics, is former Director General, General uh, National Academy of Customs, Indirect Taxes and Narcotics, or NASEN. Well, it certainly uh, opens up the scale of what these new technologies have to offer. And if anybody was looking for a reason to say, why should we be getting rid of this war on drugs? Because you can't find it. Yeah. Now you've gone to the point of making sure that you can find drug traffickers. They found a way so that you can't find them. Yeah. And they will go on continuing to do that. The longer you push it, yeah. the, the harder you changed. push it. That's right. Yeah. Keep on changing the game. Every time you change your manoeuvre, they will change theirs. Yep. All right, uh, I'll play a quick track and we'll wrap up the show. Uh, this is Blondie and Hanging on the Telephone. I'm in the phone booth.
Yeah, it was Blondie and hanging on the telephone. Haven't heard that for a while. No. Now, coming up, we need to remind everybody that the uh, next uh, naloxone overdose and uh, awareness and recovery program with naloxone or naltrexone is no, available. Naloxone, not naltrexone. Sorry, darling. Um, naloxone is available on the first Tuesday of December um, at the... Op- at the um, early morning centre. Early morning centre at 99 Northbourne Avenue, Northbourne Avenue, Canberra City, pretty well. Um, so the first Tuesday in December um, from 2 o'clock. So be there or be square. Get in touch with Dave or Damo on 62533643 or contact, if you must, contact um, Nicole at the early morning centre, but best to get in touch with Dave or Damo yep. and get yourself enrolled in the program. You get paid for turning up, incentivised yep. for turning up. It's only an hour to an hour and a half long. You learn um, artificial respiration as well as that you get given a pack of Nixoid, which is the nasal spray, the nasal uh, naloxone, and you get provided with that and also the knowledge on how to save someone's life, and that's really important. Well, it's priceless. Yeah. And, you know, the you, you feel pretty amazing when you save someone's life. Not only do you feel pretty amazing, you also need to remind people that they should feel pretty amazing because they're alive. People don't actually realise when they've overdosed mm. that they've actually died. Or so got if very you've close. given them, well, no, they are they dead effectively, Jeffrey. If you don't give them um, nixoid and artific- or and or artificial respiration, well, you stop they're effectively breathing, yeah. dead. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they need to be reminded that they've overdosed and not have another shot. Yeah, and Within, not do so it on their own. They've got to be watched for forty-five minutes at yeah. least. Yeah, because the length of time that the nixoid works over the time that the heroin works, is actually substantially multiplied. Yep. But, yeah, it's uh, crucial to learn how to recognise an overdose and respond. That's right, and respond to it. And even if somebody has collapsed for for anything that is not an overdose... It will the the nixoid will not harm them. No. It doesn't do anything but reverse the effects of heroin or opioids. Opioids, yep, yep. No, it's a no-brainer. So, um, call Karma six two five three three six four three. Absolutely. Speak to Dave or Damo. Okay, well, I hope you found some interest in some of the range of stories we've had. I thought the poppy seed recall, being much bigger than we initially thought, was um. Quite interesting. Indeed. I was really interested in the um, the uh, Dublin story too. Yeah. We've heard very little from uh, Ireland, Ireland yeah. for a long time. Yeah, and I'm uh, Courageous surprised MP. to hear a lot about it. Actually, yeah, very right. interesting to hear from everybody from the conference too. Yeah, take care, everyone. And yeah, we love you a lot. Stay alive. Be with us next week. Be safe. Be safe. Take care. And we'll leave you with Golden Brown. Okay, bye-bye.
texture like sun Lays me down with my mind She runs throughout the night No need to fight Never a frown with golden brown Every time, just like the last On her ship, tied to the mast Two distant lands, takes both my hands Never a frown with golden brown We've actually got 45 seconds before uh, the top of the hour. We'll just do a shout-out to uh, Dean, our Mandarin speaker, speaking worker. And as Marion said early, earlier, it's very important to have... Um, Someone from a local community that you can speak with. If you do not speak English at home as a first language, you can have someone, particularly a Moran, Man, Mandarin-speaking person like Dean, speak on your behalf. Absolutely. And... Uh, and speak it, with you and, and your family. Cu- culturally um, relevant too. That's right. Yeah, which is really important. Anyway, um, that's the show uh, for this week. And we'll we, talk to you next week. We'll talk to you next week. We and do love you and we'll say 